Chapter 23 of Dave Dashaway Around the World by Roy Rockwood. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Chapter 23 The Blazing Beacon. What's the trouble now, Dave? speedily inquired Hiram, getting to his feet and Elmer after him. No trouble at all, I fancy, was the reply. Quite the contrary, in fact. Look there. The young pilot of the comet pointed across country towards the beach, where a hill ran up to a sharp promontory jutting out over the ocean. A bright light showed. Why, cried Hiram, it's a blazing heap of some kind. Looks as if it was up off the ground. Yes, and it doesn't burn like wood or oil. Notice the smoke and the way the flames leap up in the air. What do you suppose it is, Dave? inquired Elmer. I can't imagine unless it's some beacon, replied the young aviator. We can soon find out, declared Elmer. Wait a minute. The speaker ran to the biplane. He soon returned, his telescope in hand. This he leveled at the distant glow. You're right, Dave, he announced excitedly. It's a beacon, sure, and it's pitch, sure. See for yourself. Yes, assented the young aviator, leveling the glass. There is no doubt that it is a signal of some kind. I can make out the skeleton legs of some kind of a brazier. Hiram came in for a show at the spyglass. His decision enforced that of his friends. What will we do? Investigate? he asked of their leader. We must do that, replied Dave. It can't be very far away. What will we do with the machine? questioned Hiram, who did not relish being left behind. "'We can roll it to the beach and keep it with us,' explained Dave. "'Come on!' "'Maybe this is an inhabited island after all,' suggested Elmer. "'I'd like to know. We don't want to run into cannibals and have them roast us.' The airship boys got ready to leave their temporary camp. They gained the beach, where progress was level and clear for the comet." The blazing beacon was an excellent guide, and they neared it rapidly. When they came to the foot of the hill, they discovered a deep embrasure in its surface. Run the machine in there, directed our hero. Nobody is likely to disturb it before we return. It was with a good deal of curiosity and excitement that the boys ascended the hill. That gained, Dave took a broad survey of its top. No habitation or person was in view. At the edge of the highest point, commanding an open view of the ocean, was a large brazier, such as is used in light blacksmithing work. Its broad flanging top held a barrel, evidently containing pitch or some readily inflammable material. The fire sent up dense clouds of thick black smoke. At the same time, however, the bright flames shone far out over the waters with a brilliant glow. 
queer observed hiram staring at the brazier with no clue as to the hand that had lighted it yes someone started that fire and quite recently declared dave i wonder why and who it could be chimed in elmer we had better set about finding out suggested hiram the young airman took the lead in a search for the mysterious owner of the brazier finally as they approached a slight dip in the surface of the ground he swung his arm back to command a halt where some trees showed the reflection from the fire outlined a ragged tent made out of a sail near it were some boxes and barrels there was a small table and a stool a little oil stove and some cooking utensils a hammock swung between two trees lying in this apparently asleep the curious explorers made out a human form the young airman waved his comrades back and cautiously approached the unexpected layout before him a near glance showed our hero that the occupant of the hammock was a white man garbed in nautical costume there seemed to be no other person in the vicinity dave reached out and gave the hammock a rough swing its occupant must have been a light sleeper with wonderful suddenness and a sharp yell he bounded from his bed he was a thin short man not weighing more than ninety pounds so undersized in fact as he stood gaping at dave in open-mouthed wonder the latter felt inclined to laugh at the grotesque figure he made why where when gasped out the man and almost overcome he could utter no further coherent words do i happen to come here and my friends that beacon directed us who are you asked our hero a shipwrecked mariner was the reply in a mournful tone you are a castaway then that's it good ship flying scud nantucket been here two months what's your craft the airship comet replied our hero what and the man looked astounded and then grinned he rubbed his eyes to convince himself that he was not dreaming then he gazed at dave in a hurt way as if he felt that our hero was making fun of him that's true the young airman hastened to say myself and my friends arrived here by accident only a few hours since the power on our machine gave out and we landed in the fog not knowing where and we don't know now by this time hiram and elmer had advanced to the spot the man scanned them closely he rubbed his head in a worried uncertain sort of a way as if figuring out something that puzzled him then he said after a long pause i was in hopes my beacon had called a ship seeing as it isn't i suppose there is no chance of my getting away from here why not challenged dave encouragingly did you ever ride in an airship my friend no 
never saw one. I've read about them and have seen pictures of them. To a regular tar used to solid planks for nigh on to twenty years. Those flimsy things don't appeal somehow. That's because you don't know what real sailing is, declared Hiram. Where is this new-fangled contrivance of yours? inquired the man, looking into the sky, and then all around the hill. Come with us, and we'll show it to you, promised Dave. All right, then I'll show you my ship. Oh, you have one? inquired Elmer in surprise. What is left of the good old flying scud, yes, answered the castaway mournfully. You see, friends, she must have struck a reef and sprung a leak. Anyhow, that dark, stormy night when I found myself drifting on her alone, I had to figure out that the captain had given her up as doomed. They had abandoned her in the longboat while I was asleep in the forecastle. Anyhow, when I came on deck, I found the ship deserted. Maybe the crew thought I'd been swept overboard. Perhaps they couldn't find me. You see, I'm so small, concluded the speaker plaintively. Say, mister, how did you get out of it? asked the interested Hiram. The flying scud was rolling like a dancing sailor. I thought it was the last of Jabez Hull, yours truly. As she sided over, I strapped a life belt on me and dropped into the sea. Well, to make a long story short, I landed on this island. The next morning, I found the old ship a wreck, but her bow out of the water down on the beach yonder. She's been there since. I can't be budged, can't be used, but I've been breaking her up to build some kind of a craft to get away in. Then, too, I've got food and furniture for my camp here. I ain't much of a ship carpenter and got sort of discouraged, and for a week I got busy and burned up a barrel of tar as a beacon. The boys pulled the comet into view when they reached the spot where they had stowed it. The flare from the beacon enabled a full view of the biplane. It seemed as though Jabez Hull would never cease staring at it. He forgot all about his own forlorn situation in asking half a hundred wondering questions as to the machine and what it could do. When he led the airship boys down the beach and showed them the wreck, it was their turn to become interested. What pleased the young aviators most of all was the discovery of a small portable forge. This the castaway had removed from the ship to assist in building his boat of escape. This, scarcely begun, was lying on the sand. "'Fellows,' said Dave to his assistants, "'this is a great stroke of luck for us.' We can repair the machine in a good way, with a forge and tools to help us. Yes, and there's a whole tank of gasoline aboard the Flying Scud, volunteered Hull. The boys went back with the castaway to his camp. No one thought of sleeping amid the excitement of the occasion. We must get up early in the morning, said Dave. We must lose no time in starting on our way. 
"'See here,' spoke up the castaway. "'I suppose there's no chance of my thinking of having a show to get away from here with you.' "'We shall certainly try to find a place for you,' replied Dave promptly. "'You will?' cried Hall joyously. "'Oh, but that's grand. See here, friend.' "'You know what I'll do if you fellows get me safely to the American coast?' "'What now?' questioned Hiram, who liked to hear the old mariner talk. "'I'll give you twenty thousand dollars.' Our hero said nothing, but Elmer stared hard at the speaker, and Hiram nudged him and winked. "'Provided,' continued Jabez Hull, "'Provided you take my treasure also along in your airship.' "'Your treasure, Mr. Hull?' repeated Dave. "'What does it consist of?' "'A keg. Yes. "'Friend, probably the most valuable keg in the world. "'It weighs over fifty pounds, and it's precious as diamonds.' Land me anywhere near to a big city till I realize, and I'll hand you over twenty thousand dollars in good, solid, hard cash. End of chapter 23